Coming up next, focus on medical education, part of this month's featured series on ReachMD XM 157. Would you jump at an opportunity to return to teaching medical students if you could make it a truly rewarding experience? Welcome to a special segment on health education. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Hoover Adger. Dr. Adger is a professor of pediatrics and director of adolescent medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. He is the faculty leader for the Florence Sabin College, one of four colleges of medical students at the school. Hi, Dr. Adger. Thanks for joining us today at the Clinician's Roundtable. It's my pleasure to join you. I'd like to discuss with you the challenge of finding and retaining top-notch faculty advisors and what you and your experience have found works best at Johns Hopkins. My perspective is that there are a number of faculty who are very interested in being a part of this type of an activity. I think that one of the things that's just really exciting is the opportunity to become part of a new learning community. And for those that are joining us, could you tell us a little bit about the community? The community is, for each college, there are a group of faculty who comprise the core faculty for the college. So there are six faculty members in each of the colleges, which really pulls together a group of individuals who have a shared set of goals. And the colleges are made up of medical students. I believe it's 30 from each class, so that there are 30 freshmen, sophomore, and junior in each one of these four colleges? That's correct. And then they have certain faculty members. How many faculty members for, say, the 120 students total? There are a total of 24 faculty members. And their job is to interact with the students on a regular basis? That's correct. How are the clinician faculty selected for the colleges? There was a selection process that each faculty member had to participate in. The selection process included recommendations regarding one's teaching. It included uh, past experiences uh, with regards to education in a number of different uh, forms. What was a little bit innovative about the selection process was that it also entailed recommendations from previous students that faculty members had encountered who would make recommendations about their appropriateness for being a faculty member. What specific qualities were you looking for? The goals of the program were fairly well delineated, and I think Part of what was first and foremost was individuals who could take on the position of being exemplary role models, individuals who could demonstrate aspects of professionalism, and individuals who had sufficient skills in teaching the clinical skills portion of the curriculum as well. What percentage of the applicants got accepted? I'm not exactly certain, but I think there were at least five applicants for each individual who was selected to participate. I mean, how do you tell someone you didn't make the cut? <laughs> Did you have to do that to any of your friends? Well, luckily I didn't. <laughs> but it foreshadows the fact that it was a very coveted position and uh, something that was an honor for individuals to be able to participate in the program. And it was, I think, a, a telling situation that there was such a groundswell in terms of numbers of individuals who sought this as a activity that they wanted to participate in. Give me a reaction of the faculty. Dr. Saka told me that this is beginning of the third year of the program. What do you hear from faculty members in terms of what their experiences are and what their reaction to the medical students in this sort of a learning situation is? I think that the faculty have been extremely excited. Uh, the opportunity to participate in a learning community of this nature is just a, a great experience. 
There are many of us who have many things that we value in the education system, but aside from other activities that one is recognized for, I think many of the faculty who participate in this really see that this is one of the most important contributions that they could make to the School of Medicine. You know, to get into some philosophical discussions, you're calling it a learning community. Go into detail on that, please. Yeah. What's different about this is that it's an opportunity to choose faculty who come from a number of different areas, a number of different disciplines, a number of different perspectives. The faculty is very diverse in its composition. It represents views and perspectives of a number of different individuals, but all towards a collective goal of fostering excellence in clinical care, excellence in humanism, professionalism, and also excellence in the trade of what we do in terms of providing care for our patients. That's the bond that brings us together. Are the teachers in any way compensated for this? I mean, faculty's time is, you know, such demand on the time of the faculty of doctors today. How do the faculty have time for this extra work, and is there compensation for it? Well, what's unique and innovative is the fact that the faculty are compensated, and I think it's a remarkable testament to the support from the administration, from the school, that this is a significant and important initiative. Many times individuals are just thought to contribute their time to teaching. It's something that one does in your spare time. But here it's uh, first and foremost, it's an important initiative and faculty are actually compensated for their time. I'd like to get back to that in a moment and take a moment here to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable for this special segment on health education. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Hoover Adger, Professor of Pediatrics at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. You said the faculty is compensated. Is there a certain amount of time that they're given to do this activity, or how is it the actual formula, if you want to say? For most faculty, it actually equates to about 20% effort or about 20% of their time, which is a significant level of compensation. But that also means that faculty can spend a significant amount of time devoted to the things that are really core concepts that are involved in the program. From some of my reading about the program, a faculty development teaching program was referred to as something along that line. Are the faculty trained to be teachers and they're sort of a train the trainers? It's a bit of both. Again, one of the Remarkable parts of this is that individuals have come from a lot of different areas. Uh, They have brought in a lot of expertise from their previous experiences. But as a part of a learning community, it means that everyone comes to the table with something to contribute and collectively to pull together all of the experiences of the various individuals who participate in the college just only enriches the experience that individuals have as a part of a core faculty member. What do you see as the next step in the program? The program is evolving. It's been interesting to see how the program has emerged over the three-year span. I think many of us you know, began in the program recognizing that there were unique needs, also creative opportunities for us to do new things. It's changed quite a bit over the three-year period, and part of it has been the spirit of openness, collaborative community, individuals questioning what do we need to do in order to do the best job of serving in the roles that we do as faculty leaders and as, you know, participants in the program. So it's been a phenomenal process to see how it's changed over the period of time that we've been involved in the program. And much of that has come from students. Have you changed anything in what you were doing based on feedback from the students? I'm sure you had a concept of the initial program. It began to evolve. Did you hit certain points where you say, 
gosh, you know, this is what we got to do instead. One of the important aspects is that there's been an ongoing process of self-reflection evaluations looking at are we really hitting the mark. I think that's been a healthy way of continuing to reflect. Well, you said hit the mark. You're hitting the mark? And what are the marks? How, you know, <laughs> words, how are you going to evaluate this program so in, you know, 10 years you can say this was what we should have been doing because we're in an election year and everybody's for change, you know, and four years from now they'll be for change again. I mean, change is great, but you have to make sure that change is for the best. And how are you going to evaluate this program? There are a number of ways in which that'll happen. I think first and foremost is listening to the views and perspectives of the students. We recently received some feedback information based on evaluations from our students, and I think most of the faculty were very pleased at how overwhelmingly positive the evaluation was from the students. I think that an important aspect is listening to our most important consumers, which are our students. In my reading about the college's program, one of the really exciting things to me was the approach to clinical skills training. In a nutshell, could you give our audience the nuts and bolts on how the faculty working closely with the students in this unique college's environment are going to proceed? What's the program? The clinical skills portion of the program is an opportunity for us to work very closely with small groups of students to have focused targeted time where we can serve as bedside instructors, focus on communication skills. I think it's been a tremendous opportunity for us to re-examine how we go through that process, what's an important part of ensuring that students master the skills that we would like them to master. Having an opportunity to walk through this portion of the curriculum with such a close contact with the students, also in tandem serving as their advisors, affords us an opportunity to, I think, just have a very rich learning experience with the students. I have a good friend, name is Joan McGrath, but she teaches media communications. And one of the things she does in every single training program is videotape the person they're training. Are you videotaping the students in their interactions so that you can really play them back and show them what they're doing, how they're saying it? Another lecture I took wonderfully was, you know, I don't know if you've ever taken call. I know you're a pediatrician, but, you know, it's so easy to kind of roll your eyes and kind of give a tone of your voice. And someone who's training me said, put a mirror in front of yourself and look at yourself while you're talking on the phone. And you suddenly you stop frowning and start smiling. We often have very poor perception of ourselves. And, you know, it's certainly hard to critique peers. I do some theater and in our acting classes, you know, the teacher asks us, how did you feel about what you did? And they ask others in the class how they felt about it. Are you doing some of this? I mean, you're building a close-knit group of people. But if you don't get feedback from your peers, from your teachers, you know, we called it constructive criticism when my mother would tear apart my English papers. But, you know, what are you doing that way so that people really look at themselves and see what they're doing? Videotape is, in fact, a modality that we use in the course students have an opportunity to participate in standardized clinical encounters. Those encounters are videotaped. Faculty have an opportunity to review those encounters with students. I think that one of the important aspects that we've worked very hard on as a faculty is our ability to give uh, meaningful feedback to the students. We've spent a lot of time as a faculty 
learning skills and effective uh, feedback to help to bolster what we can do within our teaching settings and to help to strengthen what we do within our clinical skills course. Well, it looks like students entering Johns Hopkins University can have a very exciting four years ahead of them. I'd like to thank Dr. Hoover Adger, who's been my guest, and we've been discussing a program for selection and recruitment of faculty into a new innovative learning system at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and take advantage of our on-demand and podcast features, which gives you access to our entire program library. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health. Tune in each hour for the ReachMD feature series, Focus on Medical Education. We thank you for listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.